Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. Hello, I'm Dave Farrah, and welcome back for another season of the official Barclays Premier League podcast. It's the first time in living memory that England's top three clubs begin their campaigns with a new manager. So let's welcome the special one. Time flies. It looks like it was a couple of days ago, but it was nine years ago. The chosen one. Sir Alex gave me a call, asked me to come to his house. He says, uh, I'm retiring. And his next words were, and you're the next Manchester United manager. And at Manchester City, a new one. Manchester City will see a different way how they played the other years, trying to be an attacking team. I'm joined by former Arsenal midfielder Stuart Robson and ex-Norwich striker Efren Okoku, and together we'll look ahead to what's sure to be a fascinating season at Barclays Premier League football. Cardiff's Ben Turner and Hull's James Chester both join us to discuss their club's return to the top flight. We hear from Roberto Martinez, Mark Hughes and Ryan Giggs, and European football expert Andy Brassel talks us through all the major transfer news in what's been a summer of speculation. Hello and welcome back to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. Hello to Stuart and Effen as well. I hope you both uh, holidayed well, but we won't go into any detail about that. We've got too much to uh, talk about. All change at the top clubs. And Stuart, could this be the most competitive Barclays Premier League for some time, do you think? Well, it's the unknown, isn't it? We've got managers taking over clubs right at the top. I think it could be an exciting season and I think we're in for a real treat this year. And in terms of uh, both of your old clubs, what about Arsenal's pre-season, Stuart? They, you know, they beat Manchester City at the weekend. And they've had a very good pre-season. They went to Japan, they've played two top sides in Japan, they've played really well, and the star player so far has been Aaron Ramsey for them. And Effen, uh, Norwich's third season back in the um, Barclays Premier League, Gary Neville, of all people, says they could be the team to watch with all the new signings they've made. Do you share that optimism? Well, I'm not quite sure how far up the table they can advance. I know they jumped a couple of places on the last day of the season, finished 11th, so that was a great uh, end to the campaign. Do I see them going higher than that? Uh, probably not. Brought in a few uh, new places, uh, Van Volswinkel from Portuguese football, so hopefully he can get them the goals now that uh, Grant Holt has been replaced. Anywhere between 10th and 15th would be a good season for the Canaries. Well, we shall see. And Ricky Van Volswinkel certainly could be uh, an exciting sign. And Gary Hooper as well, of course, at Norwich too. Um, it only seems right to start our look ahead to the season with the Barclays Premier League champions, Manchester United. I guess the big question, and it is a big question, Stuart, is how will they cope without Sir Alex Ferguson at the helm? To continue your theme of earlier, it's another of the great unknowns. Well, I just hope that they do well because I think David Moyes is a good manager. I saw him when he was at Preston. He's developed as a coach because when he was at Everton at the start they were very one-dimensional they played long ball football they didn't pass it particularly well in midfield but over the course of the last few years Everton have got better and better I'm sure Moyes can take that into Manchester United How important do you think his start is though because there's already this and I'm not saying it's right, but there's already a perception in the media, the sense that is the job too big for him? He's struggling to attract big name signings and so on. It's important after a Community Shield win that they get off to a good start in the in the Barclays Premier League too, isn't it? I'm not sure it's his appointment that stopped the big players going there. I think it's probably a question of the money and, and the club's not trying to release those players. I think the start is all important. He's had a good weekend. He beat Wigan at the weekend to win the, the Community Shield. He's now got to take it on to the start of the season. And I think that will depend how David Moyes is viewed over the next few months. And Effen... Manchester United are third favourites with uh, with all the bookmakers, really. Do you, do you share that? Do you think that's right, that Chelsea and Man City have suddenly leapfrogged a team that won the league comfortably last year? It sounds strange, considering Man United's history in the last 20 years, but I certainly do agree with the bookmakers for once, because I think Mourinho will give them that extra dimension that they've been missing. Certainly, um, lots of the old players, I think, will uh, refine their mojo, if you like. And Man City, of course, they bought uh, one or two good signings. Pellegrini is a very studious coach. So no reason why those two teams uh, will not be a lot closer than they were. Whether United will finish third or not is a difficult one, you know, for their fans in particular to sort of stomach right now. But I, I do see it being between Man City and Chelsea and United. Uh, without freshening up their squad, they'll find it very hard to get those players to go to that level again. But well, one of David Moyes' first big decisions at Manchester United was to make 39-year-old Ryan Giggs a player coach. The Welshman was asked after the win at Wembley if the squad are still as hungry as ever for trophies. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's what this club's all about. You know, it's, it's about winning trophies, it's about competing for trophies. You know, we, you, you can't win every year, but we want to compete and give ourselves the best chance, and that's what we've done over the years. We're the champions, and we, we know how hard it is to, to defend it, and, and we'll do our best. It's a tough start for us. Everyone knows that. Swansea away, and then uh, Chelsea. So we, we'll need to be, um, you know, at the races right from the start. Well, I want both your opinions now on the biggest news from Old Trafford or non-news or biggest story anyway, which is 
Wayne Rooney, will he stay or, or will he go? Effen, what do you make of the whole Rooney saga that's developed over the last couple of months? It's been very interesting that the new managers come into Man United and uh, been so dismissive of uh, one of English football's best players in the last 20 years. Uh, Rooney, for me, can't stay. You know, how can you when the manager says on pre-season that if anything happens to Robin van Persie, we'll need Wayne? You know, that's the biggest slap in the face, I think, you know, that Rooney could ever take and... Um, for his own self-respect, I think he has to try and engineer that move and very, very quickly. You know, Rooney is too good to be sitting on the bench and coming on as a bit part player, irrespective of how well Van Persie has played for United in his one season and whatever he may go to do on in the future. Um, so it's a good fit for me with regards to going to Chelsea. And as I said, you know, for England's number one striker to be insulted, in my opinion, in that way is unforgivable. So Rooney has to find a way to engineer a move and quickly. Is that how you see it, Stuart? Not at all. No, I see that Wayne Rooney's insulted the club, insulted Sir Alex Ferguson, didn't keep himself fit last year. That was Alex Ferguson's quotes uh, a lot of the time. And I think it would be best for Manchester United to get rid of him as quickly as possible because it's just lingering at the moment. And uh, I don't think he's the player that he once was because he doesn't keep himself fit enough. If only we had longer. I think there's an interesting uh, little debate that could rumble on and on there. But we have to ask about the transfer market elsewhere with Manchester United. It's another theme of the summer, Effin, isn't it? The fact that they haven't been able to attract anyone. Uh, Varela has come in, but he's likely to go on loan. We, we understand. He was impressive in the in the world under twenties, but uh, but no more than that. Um, failed Fabregas bids that we'll talk about a little later. But should Manchester United fans be worried? I don't think they'll be overly concerned right now. Certainly, probably a little bit more agitated than they they would have been if Alex Ferguson was still in a hot seat and not made any signings. Historically, uh, he wouldn't go into the new season, you know, uh, with three or four new players. Anyway, it's been a long time since he's made major, major, major signings. So I wouldn't be overly concerned, as I said, if I was a Man United fan. But David Moyes, I think he will. He will will find it harder to attract bigger name players than you know the previous manager. And Stuart, there is this lingering feeling with Manchester United that there might be a gigantic transfer somewhere around the corner. The number seven shirt has been discussed with Valencia saying that you know about the pressure of it and so on. There's no chance, is there, before the season starts that you know who could be number seven again for Manchester United? I don't think he'll be coming to Manchester United, but I think there'll be one or two big signings before the transfer window is over and Manchester United will probably go back to Everton to buy one or two of their players. Yeah, we shall see. You know who is Cristiano Ronaldo, by the way, for those of you who haven't kept up with that particular uh, story. Tough start as well for Manchester United. Swansea away, Chelsea home, Liverpool away, Crystal Palace at home and Manchester City away. It is not easy. Now, many people's tip for the title this season is Chelsea and that's largely because of the return of a certain Jose Mourinho. Uh, first up, the former Real Madrid coach explained just why he decided to return to Stamford Bridge. I think the most important thing in, in football, either for players or for, uh, or for managers, the most important thing is... Uh, is the passion and the happiness and, and the feelings you have for a club. Because we all, we all are professionals, but at the same time, we all are, are in love with, uh, with our job. Not many clubs, you are not there and people remember you. And, and the fans, they sing your, your name, not just at Stamford Bridge, but uh, all over the world. Uh, I don't think you can have a better, a better feeling. Effort, they famously say never go back. So do you think this time round it'll be easier or harder for Jose Mourinho? A little bit harder. First time round, he really did have the pick of the best players that were available, both in European and world football, with the untold millions that were available. So it was a little bit easier for him then. Uh, this time round, you know, there are a few more billionaires around, not only here, but also on the continent. Um, so Chelsea have not been able to get some of the big names, uh, you know, that they would have liked. So he will have to be even more reliant on his uh, famed management skills, which, as far as I'm concerned, have not been diminished at all. So Chelsea, for me, will be very much the favourites alongside Man City. And Stuart, how important are his old lieutenants, even though they are ageing now, John Terry and Frank Lampard? I don't think they're quite as important as they were the first time round. They'll still play some games, but they're not going to be regulars, I don't think. Jose Marino likes to base his, his game plan around good defensive situations and they play on the counter-attack. I'm not sure John Terry's good enough to play at centre-half with the centre-half they've got at the club now and I'm not sure that Frank Lampard will play every week. They're good players, but they're not as good as they once were. And obviously they may get Wayne Rooney, but they're another team that haven't really gone crazy in the transfer market. It's almost as if they did a lot of business last summer and that's going to keep them going. They've signed Schürrle, very good player from Germany, and Mark Schwarzer as a backup goalkeeper. But Mourinho, apart from Rooney, happy with what he's got maybe. I don't think they, they had to buy too many players anyway. You know, they were a good side last season. Of course, they weren't able to maintain in the league, but they got quite far in the 
uh, in the FA Cup. Of course, they won the Europa League as well. And as you said, Chelsea made some top-class signings, uh, or have done over the last couple of years. Hazard and Mata are two of the best creators in terms of assists. And of course, you know, they get their first share of goals as well. So just a little bit of tinker, I think, you know, if they can, they can decide who that best centre-back partnership is. And then, you know, that will go a long way to probably securing them another title. The one player that they're missing is a top-quality centre-forward, an out-and-out centre-forward. I don't think Wayne Rooney's that player because he likes to play behind now. They've got a lot of players who can do that. They need to make sure they get a top-quality centre-forward before the end of the transfer window. Don't think Lukaku could be that man? He could be, but he's very young. He's still raw. You know, I think if they could have got Cavani, they would have won the title by five or six points. I think they've got one, Fernando Torres. And you have to remember that as a footballer and as a striker in particular, you are never the same throughout your 20s. Torres now has to evolve his game. Mourinho talked about him being a, um, a top-class man-manager and a top-class tactician as well. Now, if he can find a way to get Torres to play slightly differently, which he has to do in his late 20s, of course, going into his 30s, Torres can still score you lots of goals. He got 18 to 20 goals last season. You know, there's been a lot of unfair criticism labelled at him. And I think with that combination with Torres and Lukaku and whoever else comes and goes inside a football club, Chelsea will get enough goals, as I said, with those top-class players around them. And I don't think uh, they have to go and spend 40 or 50 million on, on anybody right now. There's enough there for them to win the title. Sorry, Stuart, I'm going to take the striker's word on uh, on. That one and take uh, Efford's word on Fernando Torres. Um, first few fixtures, by the way, for Chelsea. Hull at home, Man United away, Villa at home. And watch out as well for Jose Mourinho's games against his old coaching staff. There are six of them over the course of the season. Uh, Viaspoas at Spurs, uh, West Brom, of course, Steve Clark and Brendan Rodgers. Remember that? He was at Chelsea, now the coach, of course, of Liverpool. Uh, but let's take a look at last year's runners-up now. Manchester City have also got a new man in charge. The former Malaga, Villarreal and Real Madrid manager Manuel Pellegrini. Uh, the Chilean is hoping to bring a new style of play to the Etihad. The fans of Manchester City will see a different way how they played the other years. I am sure that we are going to play an attractive team and uh, attractive game. Um, we play always trying, trying to play, always in the opposite side, uh, trying to be an, an, an attacking team. That's why I, I'm here and try to do it now with, with Manchester City. Well, to talk a bit more about the man who's dubbed the engineer and his summer transfer business, I'm joined now by the European football expert, Andy Brassel. Hi, Andy. Hello, how are you, Dave? Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Um, how will uh, Pellegrini, do we think, adapt to the Barclays Premier League? I mean, this is someone who did a phenomenal job, really, with uh, both BRAL and Malaga, but um, didn't necessarily flourish in a really big club before. Do you think he will now? Um, yeah, I think he will. And uh, I think you look at what he did at Real Madrid, really one hand tied behind his back. Um, he got a record points total. If you just remove a record-breaking Barcelona uh, from that context, he, he did phenomenally well. And people have said rather dishonestly that, oh, well, he spent so much money at Real Madrid. He didn't spend so much money at Real Madrid. He had absolutely nothing to do with it. Whereas it's a bit more of a two-way street as uh, Roberto Mancini had when he was at the Etihad. He, he's had input in signings. You know, he briefed even before he completed his move on the sort of players that he wanted. And you can see that through Negredo and Navas, but also Fernandinho, who I think is going to be a key player for them this season. What are Pellegrini's strengths and weaknesses in your view um, as a coach? I mean, he's recruited well. He's a very good motivator, isn't he? But what do you see as strengths and weaknesses? Well, he's, he's a very good communicator. I think that's very important. And, uh, you know, there were all these rumours going around about him not speaking English before he came here. And he speaks fantastic English already. I think that's really, really important to get us on the right foot and to emit some sort of authority. I think he's become more tactically adaptable down the years. And that, that was something sort of forced on him at Real Madrid. He was always a sort of 4-4-2 man. But having to incorporate Kakar again, he didn't really have a choice. In. That opened him up to the possibility of 4-2-3-1. Um, I think they're going to play really good attacking football. I guess the question is getting over the line in terms of trophies. So that's the major question over him. Andy, it's Stuart Robson here. Just watched two or three of their pre-season games and it looked to me as though they were playing a suicidal high offside line, which was caught out by Milan in the in later on in the first half and it was also caught out by Arsenal. Has that been his tactic throughout his coaching career? Yeah, he does tend to, to go with that. But I, I think it, it really depends on the players you've got as well because sometimes uh, uh, Villarreal, for example, he had a lot more players over from South America and they, they're used to playing a little bit deeper. Uh, that, that was the case as well with uh, Martin Di Michaelis, who, of course, was a key player for him at Malaga so really I think it depends on the, the sort of players he's got I, I think we've looked at uh, today's newspapers and he clearly thinks they need to reinforce at the back as well because he hasn't got the players who, who are going to do that because of course Manchester City is different as well because he really
really wants to press teams. He really wants to get after teams. So I, I think that high line is, is something that's going to stay. Maybe he needs more players who are suited to that. Andy, Fern Coco here. Um, I was just going to ask Hello. you a word on the new signings. Uh, do you think that he'll be able to incorporate um, all four of those sort of star names you like into the lineup, or do you think it's going to be one or two uh, not being able to get themselves a regular place? Um, I think it'll be a few at a time, Fern. And as you know, they've got huge ambitions in the, in the Champions League as well. And that must have been part of what informed the decision to get Pellegrini in because they don't just want to do well in the league. They've looked so short in the Champions League and that's something where Pellegrini can really improve them. So I, I don't think it's a case of them having one eleven and sticking with it for the season. Um, so I think certainly for the attacking players, it's a good thing for them. But they're, they're not really under immediate pressure to deliver consistently week after week after week. I think they'll need to physically get used, especially in the case of uh, Jesus Navas and uh, Stevin Jovetic. I'm not really worried about Negredo because he's someone who can completely handle himself and he's completely made for it as well. But, you know, that they can maybe play a game, have a game off, pick up some sort of momentum as the season goes. But for me, the key signings there are going to be Fernandinho Navas because he can offer them that bit of extra width. Fernandinho because he can control the tempo. And uh, Negredo because I think he provides a completely different option in terms of muscle up front. I, I suppose that gives Jovetic a bit more time to adapt. But I think everyone's going to get their go because they really are in for the long haul. Yeah, it gives Jovetic a bit more time to be injured as well, maybe throughout the uh, course of the season. A word on the other big transfer stories uh, in Spain, Andy. And we have to start with Gareth Bale and Real Madrid. I'll just ask you simply, will he or won't he? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. He's enjoying a not particularly comfortable international week. Uh, I'm sure it will happen. Real Madrid have a, a very, very good 11 as it goes. A, a really interesting Spanish core as well. And um, I think that creates a, a dynamic that Bale will really like as well because, you know, they're, they're a younger team than they were last season. And I, I think that sort of energy suits him. And will Bale's move, if it happens, start to trigger the merry-go-round that seemingly been waiting and waiting and waiting to happen for the last, you know, six weeks, two months or so? So could that lead to Ronaldo going to Manchester United or indeed Suarez going to Real Madrid as well if Ronaldo left? You know what I mean, Andy. Do you think that's going to trigger a big sort of merry-go-round? No, I I think that's really unlikely. I think the whole time Cristiano has been using the spectres of moves elsewhere to to get himself a better contract. Um, The situation, I think, is quite clear in that Real Madrid have always wanted to move on Kaká to free up some wage budget to give Ronaldo a big raise. But they just can't get rid of him because who is going to take him on, on those wages? We forget that they're getting paid exactly exactly the same amount of money and they have been since 2009 when they both joined so you can understand why it's a bit of a being Cristiano Ronaldo's bonnet especially with everything he's done what I think is encouraging from the Tottenham end is they haven't waited about they haven't let the Bale saga define their window they've gone out and bought the players that they've needed they've bought Soldado they've bought Paulinho they've bought uh, Nasser Chadley who I think will be really important for the sort of shape they want to play and the sort of energy with which Villas Boas wants his team to play as well so you know I think it will be a little extra for them to play with of course if and when the bail move goes through but they haven't let it hold up the plans for the season because of course the Champions League and a good start is really really important for them and other players just finally Andy from abroad who you think uh, might impress one that I must say that caught my eye because he'll be fascinating to watch will be Gary Medell uh, from Sevilla who's, um, <laughs> who's an interesting character as we both know isn't he yeah, he's, he's, he certainly is. There's no doubt what a good player he is. And, uh, you know, I just think it shows that, that someone who's an international has, has come to a newly promoted club for that much money. Etienne Capu, who obviously they wanted and looks like he's going to go to Spurs, would have been the more steady choice. The concern I, I have over Medell is temperament because he's really quite reckless. And um, if I was a betting man, I would put every pound I had on him getting sent off in one of the South Wales derbies. In terms of a player, you know, he's someone who the fans will love. He's really, really tigerish, really, really committed. So if he can be a little bit more disciplined than he has been in the past, it would be a really good signing. Cesc Fabregas, we've already spoken, touched on it. The link with him to Manchester United, that's dead, is it? As far as you're concerned, that's dead in the water. No chance, certainly this summer anyway. Yeah, it's not happening. And it would frustrate me if I was a Manchester United fan that they've wasted so much time on it. Now, they made such an effort to get him over, given the, some of the poor signings that Barcelona have made over the last four or five years. So that to work out is really important for Sandro Rosso, the president. So they need to hold on to him and they need to make it work. And Manchester United really need to look somewhere else in midfield. Andy, great to talk to you and thanks very much for your time, mate. Pleasure. Uh, Andy Brassel with his view from Europe, if you like. Uh, I want your best imports of the summer so far. So, uh, Stuart, you first. Uh, who's your best signing, do you think, from abroad this summer? 
Well, I saw Paulinho play for Brazil and he was absolutely outstanding. He was their best player. So I think he can do a very good job for Tottenham and sort of player that Tottenham need. They need creativity around him, but he's a box-to-box player. I think he'll really develop in the league. And Effen? Wilfred Bonny at Swansea. I think he's uh, he could have the same kind of impact as Aruna Kone did for Wigan uh, last season. I think he's probably uh, an even better goal scorer. So uh, Swansea have got themselves a real uh, top-class uh, finisher there. Well, before we move on, it's worth mentioning a new addition to the Barclays Premier League this season. Goal Line Technology or its official name, GDS, the Goal Decision System. It'll be in place at all 20 Barclays Premier League grounds throughout the season with 14 Hawkeye cameras providing an accurate and definitive verdict on whether the ball has crossed the line within one second of a goal being scored or, I suppose, not being scored. And that verdict will be relayed instantaneously to the officials' watches, which will vibrate and have the word goal flash up on the display screen. The referee will receive further confirmation via an automated message on his earpiece. A virtual representation of any close goal line incident will will also be shown to the crowd and be made available to broadcasters. Your thoughts on this, Effen? It's been long overdue, of course, so I'm glad um, now we finally got it up and running, uh, hopefully from, um, from the weekend. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we go months and months without there being a contentious decision. So we may be laying there idle. But as I said, a uh, long time overdue. I'm glad it's here. And Stuart? I don't think it's going to make too much difference. As, as Evan said, it's only going to happen twice a season. You see so many offside goals that are given and, and or taken away. It doesn't really make too much effect to me. You can tweet us with your views on this uh, new technology. At Barclays Footy is the uh, place to go with that. But we'll turn our attention now to the North London clubs, Arsenal and Spurs, who finished fourth and fifth respectively last season with just one point separating them. But it's been another summer of discontent for Gunners fans with Arsene Wenger only signing one player so far. We have signed Sanogo. Uh, he has not made the headlines. Uh, why? Because uh, it's not 50 to 100 million pounds, but I'm quite confident we'll make them soon on the pitch. And that is for me the most important. We can still strengthen the squad. The transfer window finishes on the 31st of August. We are working very hard to strengthen our squad. At the moment, the market hasn't moved a lot. Apart from Man City, nobody has done anything. So just one player has come in, uh, Stuart Yaya Sanogo from uh, Auxerre, who did well for France, actually, in winning the um, the World Under-20 Championships uh, in the summer. But will they, do you think, make a, a major signing, as uh, Ivan Gazidis said they would um, earlier this summer? I think they need to. They've played well in pre-season. They've done a lot better. Some, some of their younger players are coming to the fore. Aaron Ramsey's playing well. Uh, Walcott's playing well. But I think they need that one key signing to make them title champ. Challengers. They need to get a centre forward, but they also need to get a holding midfield player because that's key for the way Arsenal need to develop. They need a holding midfield player that's got some defensive qualities. Well, they have been linked with uh, Luis Gustavo from uh, mm. Bayern Munich, Paulinho's mate, in uh, mm. terms of holding the midfield for Brazil. Would that be the kind of player they'd need, do you think? Yes, I saw him play in the Confederations Cup and Scolari plays him as a, almost a third centre-half at times. But I think Paulinho, who's got Spurs now, is the better player. He's the more the better athlete, the one that can get around the pitch better. Gustavo just sits. He's very much like Gilberto Silva, who did very well for Arsenal, of course. And if Gustavo does go there, I'm sure it'd be a success. Effin, do you get the impression with Arsenal, it's the impression everyone else seems to have, which is they've got good players, some very good players, but they're just short of that bit of magic or greatness or squad strength or whatever it is to really challenge for the title. Yes, I agree. Um, I think they actually need uh, somebody in midfield with a bit more bite than those two players that you mentioned. I think somebody more like Nigel de Jong, who's got a real bite, who's at AC Milan. I don't see they actually figured too much last season, actually. But I think Arsenal need more than one big sign. I think they would need about three or four for them to come anywhere close to um, who I think will be the top three this season. I was uh, never a believer that Higuain would join Arsenal Football Club and I don't think any other big name right now is ready to take that plunge and be the first person. All, all big names will be looking at Arsenal saying great club but I won't be the first to go there. When someone else goes there then maybe I'll go there. That's a problem that Arsenal has right now You know that they can't attract the big names and until they can raise a level of the players that they have they'll find it very difficult to bridge that gap between the top three. Well that's why they're so keen to break the bank for, for Luis Suarez isn't it to, to prove that yeah. they can make that statement and, and really challenge for say the Champions League the hardest thing in football is to get the balance right between defensive game plan and an attacking game plan Arsenal haven't got that balance right and that comes down from the manager and what goes on on the training field because they don't work hard enough at the defensive side of the game doesn't matter who they buy as defenders if you don't work hard in training on the defensive side of the game you can have problems well the opening three matches intriguing Lee Villa at home Fulham away and then Spurs at home there's a North London derby third up in the season and uh, Aaron Ramsey has stoked the rivalry between the clubs he was asked uh, this week in one word what do you think of Spurs and he said fifth now as for Spurs they've been uh, embroiled in a transfer saga of their own with the continuous willy or won't he transfer of 
Gareth Bale to Real Madrid. We heard from Andy Brassel that he thinks that uh, he will go to Real Madrid. Is that good enough for you, Stuart? Do you agree with him? I agree with Andy completely. I think he will go to Real Madrid and it's just a matter of time. He'll probably go a couple of days before the transfer deadline. And Effen, do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Um, I just think that Spurs are uh, using their usual gamesmanship. Daniel Levy's uh, a very tough businessman to deal with. But sometimes you can actually leave it too late then you're not quite giving yourself your man- the, the manager enough time to actually bring in a few replacements. At the moment, they've done quite good business so far, Tottenham, so maybe they're quite happy and just trying to squeeze uh, the last euro out of uh, Real Madrid. And if that takes it up to 100 million, then you know, that's fantastic business for Spurs. Well, let's hear from the Spurs manager, Andre Villas-Boas, who thinks otherwise. I think that the rumours are, uh, you know, that anything is eminent is not true. Uh, obviously, we have allowed ourselves conversations uh, with, uh, with Real Madrid, confirmed by uh, their coach, I think, wrongly. But uh, the only thing we have communicated is that the player is uh, our player and uh, is not for sale. We are looking uh, towards the future with, uh, with Gareth. In football, anything is possible. What we've communicated so far is that you know, we are not willing to concede to, to their interest in the play. Well, Spurs opening three matches, Palace away, Swansea at home and Arsenal away. Coming up, we'll be speaking exclusively to Hull City defender James Chester and hearing from Brendan Rodgers, Roberto Martinez and Ian Holloway. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Dave Farrer. I'm here with Stuart Robson and Evan Okoku as we preview the new season which starts this Saturday. But it's time now for our halftime tweets. Every week we'll bring you the tweets which have been making the headlines in the Barclays Premier League and it's been a busy summer. Liverpool's new goalkeeper Simon Mignolet tweeted after Steven Gerrard's testimonial match earlier this month. Delighted to make my debut at Anfield, but today it was all about Stevie. Very pleased for him. And Rio Ferdinand discussing Luis Saha's retirement from football. Enjoy your retirement. One of the best strikers I was lucky enough to play with and against. Romelu Lukaku tweeted, first game, first goal. The 20-year-old Belgian fired the winner against Singer All-Stars in Bangkok to ensure Jose Mourinho's opening game got off to a winning start. And lastly, this from Michael Owen. After weeks of denial, the egg and flour our culprits eventually own up. The former England striker expresses his delight at finding out which of his former Stoke teammates pelted his car with culinary missiles. And remember, you can keep up to date with what's going on in the Barclays Premier League by following at Barclays Footy on Twitter. Well, what about the three sides that have come up then from the championship? We'll start with last season's championship champions, Cardiff City, who are making a welcome return to the top flight for the first time in 51 years. And to discuss their hopes for the season, I'm delighted to say we're joined by one of the stalwarts of last year's title-winning team, central defender Ben Turner. Thanks for joining us, Ben. No problem. Now, it's uh, Cardiff's first time in the top flight. It's been well-documented for over half a century. You know, firstly, reflect on an amazing achievement just to get there. Yeah, it was obviously fantastic last season. We were working hard week in, week out, and it was kind of not until the last few weeks when it was actually a reality that we kind of started to enjoy it. The championship, as everyone knows, is such a tough league. Nothing was over till it was over, but once once we were promoted, obviously it was fantastic for everyone involved. You touch on it there, it's a hugely competitive league, isn't it, the championship, and you won it by eight points in the end. It must give you confidence. I know it's a different division, it's a higher standard, but it still must give you confidence going into the new season. It doesn't always translate that the team that gets the most points in the championship then does the best out of the promoted teams. But obviously we need to take great confidence. We believe we can be a better side than the other two promoted teams. We have to believe that. And then also the bottom half of the Premier League, we've got to be looking to at least compete with anything other than that. And we've been too negative. So I think we need to really compete with the teams who we realistically can compete with and get points off them and then, and then hopefully see what happens against the better sides. Now, the club has broken uh, its transfer record three times over the summer. Um, Andreas Cornelius, then Stephen Colker arrived from Spurs, and then uh, Chile's Gary Medell came from Sevilla for, uh, reported anyway, £11 million. I mean, that must be a confidence boost when you see players of that level and that sort of money coming in around you. I, mean, I know it's competition for places, but it shows how strong the squad's getting too. I think it's positive and they obviously it's a midfielder, a defender and a striker so it's someone for each position who's obviously cost a lot of money so hopefully they can come in and strengthen what we already had and um, help us move forward but yeah like you say it does give us confidence knowing that the board is obviously back in the club and signing us players who that cost should be able to at least compete with us. Now, looking forward, Ben, it's going to be the first ever time that you'll contest the South Wales derby against Swansea in the top flight. I know that's sort of in the future, as it were, but it must be on people's minds. Are you looking forward to that fixture? Are you aware of how much it means to the fans? Yeah, the fans of Cardiff won't let you forget how much that means to them. And um, we're all aware that it's going to be a big game, or two big games, at least. But I think we need to um, make sure that we get enough points on the board 
before that game so you know that it's not the be all and end all of the whole season because um, obviously Swansea are a very good side they've been there before they've got the experience over us and um, we wouldn't want too much riding on them two games in terms of points because um, there's, there's other games where we need to get the points on the board before that game to put us in a strong position and in a funny way Swansea are your benchmark aren't they in terms of you know achieving a top 10 finish in, in the first Barclays Premier League season and the way that they went about it and so on yeah, I think so. I think, you know, even though they're our biggest rivals, you have to um, take your hat off to what they achieved. They went up from the Championship through the playoffs, actually, which just goes to prove that you don't have to win our league to uh, end up being a decent team because they're all very good on the ball, they're comfortable in possession. And like you say, they've got a style of play that everyone can admire, really. And um, it's credit to everyone involved with their clubs that they've done what they've done. Now, it's Malky Mackay's first season in the Barclays Premier League. I mean, he's a really impressive fellow when you meet him. How do you think he'll adapt to managing at this level? The feeling is he'll take it in his stride, Ben. Yeah, well, obviously, a lot of the players, the managers, deserve this chance to manage at this level now. Obviously, it's a new league and it's a new experience for everyone. Can't change who you are, and I don't think he will. He'll be the same boss and the same man that he's been. To get us out of the championship, he's going to demand 100%. He's obviously brought in some quality, and he's um, looking to work with a higher quality of player, which he needs to. But, yeah, he's still going to organise the team meticulously like he did last season and obviously he's a really good motivator so he's still going to bring those attributes into the game even though we're at upper league and just finally Ben this Saturday tough away trip to West Ham I guess for you it's all about a clean sheet on the opening day is it? Yeah yeah obviously we'll be looking to try and shut them out I think it's a good first game for us although it's away from home it's a team that not too long ago we were playing in the championships we'll know it probably at least half the team and um, it's not Man United or Man City away it's, uh, it gives us a chance Ben, we wish you uh, all the very best and uh, I look forward to watching that South Wales derby as well as I'm sure you look forward to playing in it. So all the best for you for the season. Cheers, thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah, so that start, West Ham away, then Man City home, Everton at home. Two tough home games. Cardiff, of the three, the ones with the biggest chance of staying up, Stuart? Probably so. I think Stephen Corker's going to have to have a good season. The centre-half bought from Tottenham. He's going to have to have a good start in the first game up against Andy Carroll. That will be a, a real tester for Cardiff. But I think they'll probably do the best of the uh, three promoted sides. You go along with that, F? Oh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I think Crystal Palace will be the most adventurous of all those sides. Most certainly Hull will be the most defensive. Palace and Ian Holloway will go to... Uh, most of the grounds and will look to try and win as uh, his Blackpool sides did a couple of uh, seasons ago. I would actually give them, you know, the best price of staying up just about. Just uh, an Ian Holloway fan. We'll talk about them uh, in a second, of course. Um, But while we're on the subject of Welsh football, let's take a quick look at Cardiff's rival Swansea. It was an excellent first season in charge for Michael Laudrup, League Cup winners, ninth in the league as well. It's going to be tough to emulate, Stuart, isn't it? It certainly is, but they've got a style of play that suits the players and it suits the manager. I don't think they're going to do quite as well as they did last year, but I think it's be another good season for Michael Laudrup and Swansea. And a really good uh, Europa League start as well. They beat Malmo, aren't bad at all, 4-0 on uh, aggregate. And you've already mentioned him, the new signing, Wilfred Boney, looked impressive. He's a physical striker, very clever with the ball at his feet. And the way that Swansea play, you know, they have good build-up play. You need somebody who can, you know, maximise, you know, the type of chances they will get and the type of movement that they have in around uh, the box. And so I see him as, as a very good fit for Swansea City and no reason why he can't score enough goals for them to be uh, pretty much where they were last season. Well, runners-up to Cardiff in the championship last year were Hull City who under the stewardship of Steve Bruce bounced back into the top flight three years after their relegation in 2010. I'm pleased to say we're joined on the line now by Hull's centre-half James Chester. Hi James. Hi, okay. Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, Now your opening fixture of course as you well know is Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Sunday afternoon. I guess it's a case of welcome to the Barclays Premier League isn't it? I don't think it could be a much tougher start for us, especially with Mourinho going back in it being his first game but we all worked so hard last season to play against teams like this and the feeling's more excitement than anything. You finally sort of achieved this dream and now you're facing probably Fernando Torres and uh, Romelo Lukaku. I mean, how do you prepare for those kind of players? Is it different to what you've done before? Do you have to be more on your game than you have before or, or do you just go out and do what you've done before? Um, obviously, the ability to, to play is higher than what I'd have faced in the Championship, but I'm confident in, in my own ability and I'll get better playing against these players. It's interesting. I mean, Steve Bruce obviously hasn't got the budget of, of other clubs, but he's made eight signings. And, and interestingly, James, some names in there like Danny Graham, Curtis Davis, El Mohamedy, Steve Harper. I mean, how important to the rest of you guys is that experience that he's brought in? That's the key. You know, we've got a group of quite young players here that are obviously hungry to prove themselves, but none of us have really played there before. So to have that experience to help us through and to know they've been there and, and done it before is reassuring. And hungry players, hungry manager too. Do you think Steve Bruce has been away for a couple of years from the, the top flight? You've obviously played under him and, and know him pretty well. Do you sense that hunger in him as well to really prove himself at this level? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, he's shown in his playing career that he wanted to be the best and coming down to the championship, it probably took a lot for him to do that, but he proved that, you know, he's a good manager getting us up in the first season being here and I'm sure he'll want to keep us there. Now, when you were 16, you signed a youth contract, didn't you, with um, Manchester United and they remained your parent club until you uh, joined Hull. That must have been some grounding with them. Yeah, it was. I was there from a nine-year-old boy coming up through the academy and I couldn't have asked for a better upbringing in football, really. And I got I had the best facilities and, and best coaches and I wouldn't be there without them, them now. And playing, uh, of course, underneath the great Manchester United centre-half probably helps your game as well. With uh, Steve Bruce can teach you a thing or two about the position, can't he? Yeah, definitely. Every now and again, he, in games where he thinks I could do something better or, or problems he's come up with against in his career and... You know, he sees that in my game, he gives me words of advice, which is, is always nice. And just finally, you've signed for Hull uh, two and a half years ago. You've committed the next three years to the club. Is is it somewhere now that you really feel at home at the KC Stadium? Yeah, um, you know, I'm happy. I get on great with the, the lads here and they put a smile on my face every day and I'm playing games week in week out, which is something I needed to do. So, you know, it was a no-brainer, really. Listen, James, thank you very much indeed for your time. Uh, we wish you lots of luck at the weekend and most importantly of all, I hope you enjoy it as well. Thanks very much. So, Stuart, what do you make of it? Will it be hell for Hull or will the Tigers roar? I think it's going to be a difficult time for them, but they have got one or two good signings. Figueroa, I think, has been excellent for Wigan whenever I've seen him play, either as a wing-back or as a third centre-half. El Mohamedi, I think, is a good player. When I've seen him play for Egypt, he's always been their best player. He gets crosses into the box. Will there be enough in the danger area with Danny Graham in there to score the goals? Now, the third of the newly promoted sides this season is Crystal Palace. We've already heard that Effen thinks they've got the best chance of the three of staying up. Stuart, uh, you're pulling faces at that. Do you not agree? No, I agree to a certain degree that they're going to play some good football and they will be adventurous. You stay up because you win football games and Ian Holloway will try and win football games. If you try and defend all the time and you keep losing games 1-0, you've got a problem. If you score goals, you've got an adventurous style of play, you can win games at home, but I still think Crystal Palace are short in terms of numbers and quality of player. Well, Kevin Phillips is the man who got the Eagles to the uh, Barclays Premier League with his winner at Wembley in the playoff final. And manager Ian Holloway can't speak highly enough of the 40-year-old. I don't know why anybody's surprised, you know, but the secret with Kev is to keep his enthusiasm and, and you've got to keep him training and wanting and, and I don't bring him in every day. I don't need to because he's that professional, you know, so my group accepted that. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way and it's all about his, as long as he wants to keep going, he can because his game is unique. He, he finds space and... He hits the target and he needs the team around him to create things and, and you know, there's no reason he, he's ever going to stop scoring. Oh, it's fun to have Ian Holloway back in the uh, Barclays Premier League and on this show as well. Do you think Phillips will play much this season, Effen? I mean, Marouane Shamak has just signed uh, for Palace from Arsenal, which is a risk, isn't it? But how much of a role do you think Kevin Phillips will, will play? A limited one. Uh, certainly not going to be playing five, six games consecutively. But he can come on and get you the odd important goal now and again. Of course, they will need the younger players around him to create chances, as Ian Holloway said. If they can do that, then yes, you know, he could be important for them. But they will need players who have not played at this level before to really raise their game. Well, Palace's first three matches, Spurs at home, Stoke away, Sunderland at home. We turn our attention to Merseyside now, where all the talk at Anfield over the summer has centred around their controversial striker, Luis Suarez. The Uruguayan has openly said he wants to leave the club, but manager Brendan Rodgers is standing firm. We're trying to build the group up and we're in no hurry to sell Luis or any other player. Of course, throughout the world, every player will have a, a value and worth, but you only need to look at the market. And forty million and one pound. You know, Gareth Bale. They're talking about six figures. And Gareth Bale and Luis Suarez were the the two arguably the best players. So you can't say that Gareth Bale is supposedly valued at over one hundred percent more. So we as a club are very strong in, in what we're doing and our belief in what we're doing. And there'll be no one moving out of here in a hurry. Effen, what do you make of the whole situation? Liverpool's a club that's close to your heart. I mean, is it the most depressing story of the summer, do you think? Not really depressing. It's getting a little bit tiresome now. Um, we've had this since um, sort of the last game or two of last season. His head's been turned by Real Madrid. That's understandable. Many players have had their head turned. I can understand they wanted to go to a team that will challenge every season for winning trophies. But right now, it looks as if Real Madrid have gone cool on the idea. So Suarez may have to kick his heel, certainly until the end of September. You know, he's still got six games uh, to serve uh, from his bound from last season for biting Ivanovic. Suarez, I think, will be at Anfield for this forthcoming season. And next season, let's see, you know, maybe um, he'll be sold in the summer, but not this one. Yeah, maybe it can be a Ronaldo situation and he gets one final season out of him and, and lets him go uh, next summer. What about Liverpool's transfers elsewhere, Stuart? Goalkeeping one's almost a strange one, isn't it? Reyna was not happy and maybe 
made it pretty clear that he wasn't happy to, to be sent to Napoli without really being asked to go and join Rafa Benitez and Mignolet in. What do you make of that? He's been a little bit inconsistent. I think Mignolet's a good goalkeeper. And I think all the Brendan Rodgers thought it's time for a change. That's what he's done there. And he's uh, the best way to do it. I don't think Reina would have been a good number two. So he's, he's put him out on loan. It's probably the best thing to happen. Aspas, I haven't seen too much of him. But, you know, I saw him in a couple of pre-season friendlies playing just behind the main strike. He can play in wide areas as well. And Colo Ture, I think at some point people have ridiculed the signing of Colo Ture. I think at times he will come in and do a good job. Well, as for Liverpool's Merseyside neighbours Everton, for the first time in 11 years, they're going to start the season under the guidance of a new manager. After Roberto Martinez replaced David Moyes in the summer, what do you make of that appointment, Stuart? The jury's out on Martinez. He divides opinion. He plays this beautiful football and everyone raves about him. And on the other hand, Wigan were relegated. Yeah, they were relegated. They didn't defend particularly well, but I had a little time with him in the summer. He's going to play with a back three. There's no question about that. He's going to change the style of Everton completely. They're going to play through midfield. It's whether they're penetrative enough in the top third of the field. That was my criticism of Roberto Martinez. Defensively, I don't think he always gets it right. And sometimes they pass for the sake of passing rather than getting it forward that little bit quicker. But they're going to play with wing backs. So Leighton Baines, they really need to keep hold of him because he's the best probably wing back that they could possibly have. It's going to be interesting times at Goodison Park. Probably the best wing back anyone could have at the moment. We'll hear from Martinez now. He was asked if he was worried about Manchester United's recent interest in the aforementioned left-back Leighton Baines. The last concern that I have is what the other clubs do. And what I've been really impressed is that the togetherness of this group and the professionalism of this group is, is something that you get straight away. I said it before, when I arrived at Goodison, I saw the passion of the fans and, and the feeling of, of the football club. And believe me, I can see that through the players in every training session, which is, it pleases me, it makes me proud. I think the worry Everton fans have, Effen, is it's going to be a kind of, if you like, hyped-up version of Wigan. He's already signed Coney and Alcaraz. And other, is that going to be good enough for Everton? To make a, a big leap and to jump into the uh, top four, I would say no. But certainly he'll be dealing with a better quality of player. Defensively, I don't think he will have to you know, make too many changes because he's dealing with better defenders, people who've been much more robust under David Moyes for so many years. So that will certainly help him if the players further forward and certainly midfield are given a little bit more freedom to be a bit more expansive. So I think Everton uh, will do well again. Can they do better than under David Moyes the last season or two? I doubt that very much uh, without some serious investment, but certainly uh, maintaining station, I think, you know, that will be the minimum requirement and I think they can achieve that. Another club to make a managerial change in the summer was Stoke, who dispensed of the services of Tony Pulis after seven largely successful years in charge, bringing in Mark Hughes as his replacement. Let's hear from the new man at the Britannia, who's got big plans for his new club. Fans want to hear you want to progress and, and you want to raise expectations. And I've always done that at clubs. Sometimes it's come back and bit me on the backside because I've raised expectations too high and people come crashing down. But um, my intention is to take this club forward, to take the team forward and make sure that we're successful in the future. And uh, that's my motivation, along with other things. It's a big test for Mark Hughes, Stuart, after what happened to QPR. Well, what happened at QPR, what I thought happened at Fulham as well. I'm not a great fan of Mark Hughes and his style of play. He talks a big game and talks as though they're going to play some expansive football. Whenever I watch teams under Mark Hughes, I don't think they've been particularly expansive. I think it could be a struggle for Stoke. Do you see it working there, Effen, or might they regret getting rid of Tony Pulis? No, I don't think they will regret Tony Pulis leaving. Uh, I think it was time for a change. Uh, I don't see Stoke City uh, performing any better um, in terms of moving up the league. I think the fans and probably Peter Coates as well are just after a little bit more, uh, in terms of style, uh, expansive football, and they'll probably get marginally better on the Mark Hughes. But I'm in agreement with Stuart. I don't see much improvement. Well, uh, here's something nice as well about Stoke. They're offering uh, supporters free coach travel to all 19 of their Barclays Premier League away games this season. I think the only uh, condition is that the uh, fans promise to feed the horses along the way. But let's concentrate now on a couple of teams that have been busy in the uh, summer transfer market. Uh, Martin Yoll at Fulham's been looking to improve his squad after a stuttering end to last season. And maybe most intriguingly, F and Adel Tarabt has arrived at Fulham, which means Tarabt and Berbatov up front. It may not work, but it will be fun finding out, I suspect. That's a very strange one. You know, you weren't able to hack it with Queen's Park Rangers who got relegated last season and um, someone throws you a lifeline. I'm quite amazed that Martin Yol has taken that gamble with uh, Tarat. One or two good signings there. Certainly the goalkeeper, Stecklenburg from Roma. He's a top-class keeper. Derek Bertrand, I've seen quite a lot of him. He's a guy who'll give them a dimension in terms of speed and quality on the flanks. Uh, Fulham are one of those sort of small to mid-range clubs and I think they'll just be looking to maintain station again 12th last year at about the same this time around. We'll see 
how well Stokalenberg does. I'm not 100% convinced. Stuart, you def- I can't let that go without you saying something. Well, I saw a lot of him at Roma where he didn't play particularly well. So Stokalenberg could be a major problem. Schwartz has been a great goalkeeper for Fulham and I'm sure he'd do well as a, as a reserve at Chelsea. We shall see. Um, another team looking to greatly improve on last season's finish is Sunderland. And Paolo Di Canio has been busy reshuffling his squad for his first full season in charge. Eight players in, seven players out. And another player who uh, you saw a lot of in Serie A last year, Emanuele Giaccarini, which is one of the oddest arrivals in, in the whole of the summer in the Barclays Premier League. Well, he's an odd player all round, Giaccarini, because he couldn't get in Juventus' side. He often played as a wing-back, often played in central midfield. He goes and plays for Italy in the Confederations Cup and in the World Cup. He plays behind the main striker. So Giaccarini could be a really good signing for Sunderland, but he could be a major flop as well. We'll find out. First three games, Fulham at home, Southampton away, Palace away. Uh, Sunderland's northeast neighbours, Newcastle, will also be hoping for better fortunes this year after finishing just a couple of points and one place above their rivals last season. Um, Effen, um, a major change has been the appointment of Joe Kinnear as uh, director of football, which again has divided opinion and, and caused some, let's be honest, some amusement. It's caused um, a lot of amusement over in the North East, certainly in uh, Newcastle's direction and uh, a lot of consternation as well. Joe's, uh, he's not always a diplomat. And, uh, you know, he does rub people up the wrong way. He's very forthright in his views. If ever there was a man, it would seem, not made for a job because you have to be a politician at, at almost all times, dealing with the manager, dealing with some of the players, sometimes dealing with the press and, of course, with uh, directors at a football club. I wouldn't have ever thought that Joe is that type of man. But certainly he knows his football. He spots a good player. Um, but finding uh, that player to bring into Newcastle has been very, very difficult for them. They've signed Lurk Remy on loan. But I think they will need one or two more players to freshen things up. But they're also they're trying to move on quite spokesman a few weeks ago, they're trying to move on quite a few people. They're finding it hard. Lots of those players on very, very good wages. And until they can release uh, some money for the wage bill, and then they'll find it hard to bring in players, I think that will be important to make sure that Newcastle get off to a good start that they weren't able to do last season. Yeah, by the way, Effen knows Joe particularly well, having played under him at, uh, at Wimbledon in your uh, days there. Stuart, what do you make of Newcastle's sort of state of flux, I guess, at the moment? It is. They brought all those players in from France just after the, uh, or just in the January transfer window, and they looked a better side, and then it all went horribly wrong for them again some of their key players haven't played particularly well over the last year or so and they need to get back to the form they were showing the previous year and Loic Remy is a player that can run in behind but he needs to have a good start to the season and the news from Newcastle the club have come to an agreement with Papi Cisse so the striker will wear the Wonga logo on his club shirt despite his religious beliefs which had been a, a real bone of contention between player and club let's have a look at a couple of the Midlands teams now West Brom and Aston Villa who had quite different seasons last year West Brom overachieved Villa underachieved and ended up finishing at 15th, but they did find some late form. Uh, Villa in particular will be hoping for a good start, but they've got a really tough first three matches. Away at Arsenal and Chelsea, then at home to Liverpool. It's not really the momentum builder that Paul Lambert would have wanted, Stuart. No, I was interested to watch them play last year. I thought they were the worst team in the Barclays Premier League at one point when they were losing games. They were playing very directly. Benteke was the only player that was really key to them, and they didn't play any sort of football outside the uh, top third. But they got better as the season went on, and they started to gain confidence after beating Reading, the game that was so important to them and from that point on they started to play that little bit more football so if they can take that through to this season they should avoid relegation. The best thing about Villa beating Reading that day is that it ended up with an unbiased presenter of the Barclays Premier League podcast because my team is no longer in the division and it doesn't matter but arguably Villa's best bit of business during the summer was retaining star striker Christian Benteke who signed a new contract to the club until 2017 and Paul Lambert knows how crucial it was to hang on to him. Christian sees his future here as is everybody else does including supporters and myself, the staff, and it's it's absolutely fantastic news for us. I'm delighted he's agreed with everything that the best place for him is, is Aston Villa. I'm pretty sure the supporters will echo that. I think they, they realise it as well, and um, the Aston Villa fans are a really knowledgeable set of supporters that will, will realise that we have done really well in this. There's an argument to say, Evan, they've kept the best striker in the division. I mean, he was that good last year. Yes, very much so, but it'd be very difficult for him to replicate that. And for a team that is over-reliant on one player, albeit a very good player, but still quite a young man as well, for him to come back and do that again this season won't be easy. And so because of that, I think Villa are going to have a tough time and I could see them you know, in that scrap again you know, for relegation you know, come March, April. And Stuart, tricky season for West Brom coming up. They've lost Lukaku, which is a huge mm. miss, 17 goals last season. And Elka was a sort of odd signing for, for Steve Clark. Yes. 
yes, because they need pace to run in behind. Uh, that's the way they play. They're very defensive. But they have made one good signing, Diego Lugano. I've seen him play for Uruguay a lot over the summer. He's still a key performer for Uruguay, the captain of Uruguay. He reads danger. He puts his body on the line. So he could be a key player for West Bromwich Albion. And West Ham and Southampton, it's worth a, a quick word about them. Uh, Southampton, first of all, with UF and Pochettino was a surprise appointment at the time. And it was a controversial one with uh, Nigel Adkins uh, leaving the club. But in the end, he did a pretty good job. And they have signed too, haven't they? Um, uh, Victor Wanyama notably has gone there. Yes, a lot of money from Celtic. Um, you know, so there's lots to live up to there. And they're outside a little bit like Swansea, probably not quite as, as, as advanced, probably not quite with the quality of players. So it'd be difficult for him as well. Yet again, another side that needs to have a good start. If you do, then all of a sudden there's a feel-good factor that runs throughout the football club. Yeah, so important for these sides that you expect to be fighting relegation and mid-table to start off well. I think more important for the sides finishing at the top, just to be stable at the beginning and look to finish strongly. Someone like Spurs, they need to finish well. They haven't done last couple of seasons. More important for like Southampton and West Brom and West Ham to make sure the first uh, six or seven weeks of the season you're not conceding too many goals and finding yourself adrift. And a lovely story about Ricky Lambert as well. He got his England call up the day his daughter was born and all the headlines about the man who used to work in a beetroot packing factory playing for uh, England. So romance does happen in uh, modern football. Uh, Not too much romance necessarily at your old club, West Ham, uh, Stuart. A fairly pragmatic way of doing things. But uh, Stuart Downing on his way from Liverpool. Good acquisition. Downing and Carroll to combine. It's a great acquisition if they can get crosses into the box because Andy Carroll, like Kevin Davis was at Bolton, will be the key player in the Barclays Premier League. He'll commit more fouls than anybody else and he'll be fouled more times than anybody else because that's where the ball's going to go. They're going to get it forward into Andy Carroll early. What they need to do there is then when they get the ball down in the top third, they deliver crosses into the box and then West Ham will survive and have quite a good season. And rounding off our club-by-club preview, Chris Hewton's Norwich. As Effen talked on earlier, one of the busiest sides this summer. Ricky Van Volsinkel, Leroy Fur, Nathan Redmond, Martin Olsen and Gary Hooper as well. An estimated £25 million on players. Effen, we've already had your views on Norwich. Stuart, that puts a lot of pressure on Chris Hewton, doesn't it? It does in some way because they've spent all that money. I saw them at the end of last season and I saw them four times live last year and commentated on them and each time they lost the game and they looked a really poor side and I couldn't quite see what they were trying to do. But I think with the new signings, I think uh, Chris Hewitt will get them organised defensively and I think they could have a better season this time round. They know about that by the way. Every time you went there they were poor. You're banned apparently uh, this season from uh, Carrow Road. Um, now all the action starts this Saturday. Liverpool and Stoke kicks things off at uh, 12.45. So uh, which matches in particular uh, stand out for uh, for both of you? It's all rounded off by Manchester City, Newcastle on uh, on Monday evening. F and you, first of all. There's no real uh, heavyweight clash there, is there? I think uh, the Man City, Newcastle one could be interesting. Newcastle will be looking to get off to a good start, but you know, very difficult. Um, Pellegrini's first game, first home game in charge. I expect Man City to come through that. Important for Liverpool to get off to a good start and mention all the um, sides who possibly fight in relegation. Not to lose, I think, is very important in your first match. Stuart? I think the games that involve the new managers. How will Martinez play with Everton? Will they get a good result at Norwich when you look at Manchester United at Swansea. They're the key games for me. Right, now I've got a series of predictions in the form of will or won't these events happen and I want to be absolutely clear about this. It is just a bit of fun but I'm going to sound quite cross about things. I just want yes or no. I do not want the normal sort of rambling answers that you both give. So I want yes or no here to all of these questions uh, alternately. So, Stuart, you first of all, will David Moyes, other than the Community Shield, win his first major trophy this season? Yes. Effen, will Mourinho lose a home league game this season? Yes. Stuart, will Robin Van Persie be the top scorer in the Barclays Premier League again? No. Effen, will one of Manchester City's new signings be their player of the season? No. Stuart, will Gareth Bale start at Crystal Palace on Sunday for Spurs? Yes. And Effen, will Wayne Rooney leave Manchester United before the end of August? No. Uh, Stuart, will all of the three promoted teams be relegated? No. And Effen, will Liverpool finish above Everton? Absolutely, yes. And one last question to you both. I want you to pick out one player to look out for this season that you know we haven't necessarily discussed it. Not one of the big names, if you like. Stuart, you first of all. De La Feo. We've seen a lot of him at, uh, for the Spanish junior sides. He's got lots of pace. He can be hit or miss. I think he's a better player than Theo Walcott. And he has gone to uh, Everton, and that is a mighty big call. And Effen, what about you? Well, I've mentioned him already briefly. I'm going to go for Wilfred Bonny at Swansea City, who will, uh, as I said, he'll, he'll score enough goals to make sure that Swansea are one of the teams to watch again. Well, why don't you tweet us your players to look out for this season at Barclays Footy is the place to go. And that's just about it for this week. My thanks to Stuart and to Effen for their company and their excellent predictions at the end there. And why don't you have a go at our first trivia teaser of the new season? Louis Sahar retired this summer, ending his career with 85 Barclays Premier League goals. He's the third highest scoring Frenchman in Barclays Premier League history. Can you name the two players who've scored more? The two players who've scored more Barclays Premier League goals than 
and Louis Saha. If you think you know the answer, log on to the Barclays Football Facebook page and tell us what you think. We'll read out the correct answers in next week's programme. Remember, you can tweet us throughout the week at Barclays Footy. We want to know your football stories wherever you are in the world. We'll be back next Tuesday for a full review of what's sure to be an enthralling opening weekend of the Barclays Premier League season. But until then, from Effin Okoku, from Stuart Robson and from me, Dave Farah, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays.